You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. Another world, another time, in the age of wonder. There was once a dream, you could only whisper it. Anything more than a whisper, and it would vanish. A battle between good and evil. You don't know the power of the dark side. Where shall I find a new adversary so close to my own level? Try the local sewer. You know the rebellion against the Empire? The Avengers, Earth's mightiest heroes. Peace means having a bigger stick than the other guy. One of these days, I'm going to have a stick of my own. I'm Groot. Welcome to the Neverland Podcast. The podcast for lovers of Disney, Pixar, Marvel, and Star Wars. I'm glad you're here to tell us these things. Please welcome your host, Jeremy. I thought he'd be taller. Yeah, I can fly. All it takes is faith. Trust. Well, if it isn't the Star-Spangled Man with a plan, what is your plan today? Up to Neverland! Take your pixie out of your pocket, Neverlanders, and sprinkle some of that pixie dust around. Grab your happiest thought, and let's fly away to Neverland. I'm not going to spend too much time here talking here at the beginning of the show because I've already pre-recorded pretty much everything we're going to go through today. I've talked with an old friend of mine named Lori, who's recently returned from Walt Disney World, to give us a little rundown of what she experienced over in the new Pandora. Also, I sat down this week and spoke with Tad Stones, creator of Darkwing Duck, had a very nice long conversation. We're going to share more of it next week, but for this week, I just wanted to focus on talking to him about the new DuckTales series and what he thinks about it. Uh, having worked on a little bit you know, of the original Disney Afternoon, you know, being creative of Darkwing Duck, and he also created like Gizmo Duck and Bubba Duck and stuff like that for DuckTales back in the day. Uh, so that's really, really fun. So I just took a little bit of my conversation with Tad Stones, and you're going to hear it this week. Next week, I'll probably just play the rest of the conversation. It'll probably fill the entire show. Uh, only other things going on is, of course, the Great Movie Ride has officially closed today, and so we're going to take a listen to some really good audio I have found online of the Great Movie Ride. And so that's how we'll close out the show. The only other thing that I want to bring up is, of course, everybody is going crazy over the news that Disney is going to start their own streaming service and is leaving Netflix in 2019. Netflix is right now trying to find a way to keep some of the Marvel television shows because Disney will possibly move those shows over as well. A lot of people are kind of upset about this, uh, but I want to just take this perspective. If Disney puts together a streaming service that has all of their classic films, classic television shows, classic animation, the old Mickey Mouse cartoons, and everything in the Disney library is all available to me, I will shut down my Netflix account and just spend the money to the for a streaming Disney account. Uh, I mean, uh, the only thing I really would stick Netflix around for might be Stranger Things. But the other thought is, you know, with my Vudu account where I have my digital movies, because all my Disney movies that have a digital copy, I can access uh, through Vudu. So a lot of my Disney films that I want to watch, I actually have digital copies of, or I have a copy another way to watch. But uh, if I had access to a lot of the classic Disney library at my fingertips, uh, I think I would go for it. But uh, enough of me talking about this. Let's just move on with the show, shall we? 
All right, Neverlanders. One problem we've had is we don't have anybody we know of that's been recently to Walt Disney World to tell us about what's been going on with this new Pandora Land that we've been talking about. And I'm sure plenty of you are still skeptical because like, oh yeah, I saw Avatar and I didn't like it or whatever. And I've been saying for, oh golly, a long time, it's like, it doesn't matter if you like the movie, Disney Imagineering is going to do something incredible with it. So I have some eyewitness people that uh, I have found that can tell us all about what has happened and what is, what's been going on over there and what these rides are like. And so this is kind of fun because this, golly, this was, has this been 20 years ago, I think now? <laughs> so 20 years ago, I was in this musical version of Frankenstein. Uh, I actually played two roles. One of them was pretty much an Igor character. Right, I'm like this the whole time. Um, and, and the other character I was playing, Lord Byron, who was talking with Mary Shelley. Uh, but there was a lady who was in there playing a role that I found out that she was cousins with one of my college friends when I was going to a community college at the time. I was like, oh, cool, you guys are related. And so I actually even went to her wedding, and she's been married all this time yes. now, which is awesome. Because I'm knowing a lot of people whose marriages are falling apart. So we're beating the odds, staying married. <laughs> <laughs> so everybody, welcome Lori McCoy. Yay! Hi there, Jeremy. Hello. So it looks like you get to do a lot of trips to Walt Disney World. You send a lot of nice pictures up all the time. Oh, yes. I'm really lucky. My husband works for Southwest, and he is not a Disney fanatic, but he supports my daughter and I in our, um, in our being Disney fanatics. <laughs> so not a fanatic, but that doesn't mean he doesn't get in there and feel like a big kid, though, I figure, right? Uh, sometimes. <laughs> sometimes? <laughs> yeah, sometimes. The crowds, uh, he's not quite there, but he does have fun. Of course. It's it's hard to not have fun in a Disney park. Exactly. <laughs> Which is why I'm telling Heather, like, okay, she's very introverted. I'm very much an extrovert, as you probably remember. Yes, I'm, I'm all I over remember. the place. <laughs> so, uh, and I'm actually working on a potential upcoming show, An Introvert's Guide to a Disney Park. Because I know, you know, you, you bring somebody in there and the crowds might be a little overwhelming, might be too much. But you got to make sure they, they can have fun, too. And so you just find that right way to get them in there so even well, there's, the doubters. So, there's so many different kinds of people there that um, it's not like going to renaissance festival where people are approaching you and trying to make you be an extrovert if you're an introvert so you yeah. know it's just you know deciding you're gonna have fun even if it's crowded yeah the, the wonderful thing about it is the Let's play pretend in the most realistic imagination you get to have in your entire life. <laughs> exactly. It is. It's like all your dreams. I still will cry every time I first walk into Disney Park and see the castle. Oh, yes. Because I'm a sap, I guess, but... That's okay. You're allowed to be a sap in a Disney park. That's right. Because we're all, we're all saps and we're all about six years old when we walk in exactly. those gates. Exactly. <laughs> I say it's my inner five-year-old. There I'm you go. I'm Peter Pan. I refuse to grow up. Exactly. Which makes you fit right into this show. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and even our phrase that we'll say, because this is actually a picture I have on my wall, says, grow wise, grow strong, but never grow up. Oh, I like that. Oh, yes. I'm really glad my buddy Philip got me that. It's got Peter Pan and Wendy and all that on there. Very great picture. And so we use it as our motto. And anyone who swears to live by that, I tell you what, you're an official lost boy or pixie. Because, you know, girls don't get lost. They're too clever. It actually says uh -huh. that in the book. So. Yes. 
which if you haven't signed up on our Lost Point Pixie list, you know, make sure you do that. So, anyways, <laughs> but you've had a recent trip. Uh, when let's let's get a little background though. When was the first time you got to go to a Disney park? Um, my parents took me to Disneyland when I was three years old, and then I went to Disney World for the first time when I was six. Do you actually and remember I, some of the stuff when we were three years old? Um, not really. I remember it's a small world and having to ride it, and it's still my favorite ride. I, yes, I know, I'm, <laughs> I refuse to grow up, but I remember that, but not much. I remember the trip to Disney World a little bit better. It was the first time I got to ride a roller coaster. Space Mountain was my first roller coaster, so... That I remember. Yeah. And I, then about every three years of my life since then, I would go to Disney um, Land, which was my dad's choice um, of parks, because he's a Disney fanatic too. <laughs> and then um, when I got into high school, it was several years, and I didn't go again until my dad took me there for. Um, my college senior trip and we went to Disneyland and then it really I wasn't really able to go that often until I met Ed and um, we got married and he works for Southwest Airlines so with flight benefits and everything and um, hotel discounts he gets from that then it works out really nice. And a good friend of mine, um, Kathy J. Reynolds, performs, takes the performing troupe down to Disney. And um, several times we've gotten in on her performer's discount. Wow. Which makes the, yeah, it makes the trip a lot more affordable. Yeah. <laughs> which helps. Because <laughs> the, the price is still, I still say, you know, it's a small fortune to go to Disney, but it's worth it. Yeah. You just got to have that small fortune. Exactly. <laughs> Which I'm working on that. I'm going to have that small fortune. I'm going to get Heather in there, and we're going to have a grand time. So then she'll understand the sickness that made me start this podcast. <laughs> it was not a sickness. <laughs> if it's a sickness, I'm guilty too. That's right. It is the greatest sickness we have ever had in our lives. Because yeah. once you go, you it's like a badness. You have to go back. That's all you can think about is, I've got to go back. Exactly. There's so much more. Especially since I never got to ride Space Mountain. It was being refurbished back in 2009 when I was there. Yeah, that is one thing that the Pirates of the Caribbean was closed down. And that's like a must ride. I have okay, everything's a must ride pretty much. <laughs> yeah. But the last time I was at Disney World in 2015, it was closed down and I was just so bummed about it. Cuz yes, I do. I have to ride. There are certain rides I have to ride. Yeah. And you know, there's rides like Dumbo that are classics, but if I don't get to ride on that, I you know, my kids were little at one point, and I wrote it all the time. <laughs> but the Haunted Mansion, Pirates yes. of the Caribbean, all of those, I have to ride. And yes. sometimes every day I'm in the park. Yes, I have to do it more than once. If, yes. if at all possible, get in there multiple times. Yes. Especially, you know, I didn't actually get to watch any of the fireworks there in the Magic Kingdom because we weren't able to get on Splash Mountain earlier in the day. We It was a pretty long line, and we had gotten close, but then all of a sudden it broke down. Went 101, you know. So we waited until the fireworks started and everybody was gathered over there. We went back to Splash Mountain and there wasn't anybody there. So we actually just rode Splash Mountain like three times. 
Yeah, but that's worth it. Yes, it was awesome. <laughs> I have to watch the fireworks at least once, and then I go off and I will ride anything I can during fireworks. Oh, yes. <laughs> Which, unfortunately, we only were there for fireworks one time, and so I didn't actually watch them. And I thought, oh, well, they're just going to shoot fireworks. We saw them on July 4th. I'm okay. I didn't realize the whole spectacle of what the whole show was, so I feel like I really missed something. Which gives me that drive to go back so I can really experience the whole, the music, and the now there's even uh, projections on the castle. Oh, and, and it is beautiful. It is so beautiful. So what is yeah, the- our space that we had this time for um, the the night that we watched the fireworks, um, it was over too much towards Tomorrowland, and I had to keep on running back between the castle and the fireworks. <laughs> but I saw it. I felt the magic. So what do you think of the new show? The, what was it, Happily Ever After? Is that Happily the new Ever- show? Unfortunately, um, since I was like running between the two... Um, I had seen Wishes so many times that I, and yes, I'm a geek that also listens to the Park albums. Oh, yes. And I have videotape of all my trips. So um, I knew Wishes fairly well, and I really liked what I saw of the Happily Ever After, but I wish that I didn't have to choose between projections and fireworks. Yeah. And that was just that we had left. We were riding Space Mountain, and um, we were, and the ride got over. But the people we were behind in the conveyor belt that takes you up, they were not moving. Oh. <laughs> and it was almost torture. I really did not want to be one of those people that would mow over twenty people. But I'm like, there's fireworks out there. <laughs> so um, it, we just got stopped up in between. Tomorrowland and Main Street and I heard it and I saw it a little bit and I'm like okay I need to watch it online to see exactly it's not going to be the same thing but yeah but at least you get to see it yeah yeah because I've watched online and I thought it was pretty neat but yeah to to actually be there and experience it is still an entirely different matter Yes, I saw the projection show, the one that they did after because my plan was that um my plan was to get the projection show one night, and then the next time we were in the Magic Kingdom to get the fireworks, but the people in Space Mountain did not have the same agenda I did, so <laughs> it didn't happen. If everybody would just get on the same page with you, then this would exactly. be a problem. Exactly. I'm like, there's fireworks out there, people. Move it. <laughs> Come on, they're going to blow stuff up. Come on. Yeah, exactly. And it's Disney blowing stuff up, which is unlike anything anybody's ever seen. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> this is like a Michael Bay movie in the sky. Yes. But better. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That was probably a terrible analogy because everybody's going to say, what an insult to Disney fireworks to consider it like Michael Bay. (laughs) Come on, Michael Bay, he blows stuff up. Okay, come on. These are the jokes, people. These are the jokes. So uh, normally with uh, Animal Kingdom, was that was that one of your middle priorities, or I mean, where do, where would you rank that amongst your of the top four of those well, major parks? Magic Kingdom is my absolute number one. Um, it's why I love Disneyland because to me, I want the fantasy, I want the princesses, I want that you know, I want the Disney movies. Yeah. Uh, Animal Kingdom, I mean. 
I always enjoyed it. It was like maybe a four hour park. You know, you could see pretty much everything in four hours. Yeah. The half-day park that they call it. Yeah, a half-day park. And, you know, I mean, and that's like seeing the animals, which we enjoyed the animals every day. It was like a glorified zoo. I mean, I loved Expedition Everest. I liked the rides. Dinosaur is a fun ride. Mm -hmm. But, you know, there's not a lot. There wasn't a lot before Pandora. And I remember we were getting on the bus to go to Animal Kingdom, and I had told my 13-year-old son, I said, this is probably going to be the most crowded park, because, you know, because I'm, I mean, I'm used to, like, walking right in. I'm not used to lines to go to Animal Kingdom. I was expecting it, but um, we got on the bus, and we stayed at the Pop Century Resort, and there were, like, 12 other people on the bus, and he looks at me, and he says, Mom, you said this would be crowded, and I was like, just wait until we get there. Yeah. And there were just tons of people there. And um, we, it just was, you know, I mean, to see a bug's life, which my kids have seen a bug's, my kids, my daughter went to Disneyland for the first time when she was a year old. And my kids have seen a bug's life, I can't even tell you how many times. And we normally sit in the theater by ourselves because we're there to like cool off or something. Yeah. It's a cute show. It's just, you know, and this time the theater was packed and it was so much fun watching it with people who didn't know what was going to happen. <laughs> Cause the people were screaming and I mean, it was just fun and that aspect of it was really fun, but it was just really strange going through a park that, normally you know you could like spread out and walk around and it wasn't crowded to all of a sudden be that crowded yeah i I, when i was there in august so it actually was fairly busy i remember when we went into the uh this tough to be a bug uh it it was was, we had a pretty good size full audience and it was my first time so i i'm sure my friend that had took me there was having fun watching me suddenly when when you get stung by the hornet and all this stuff and you're not sure what's coming me going whoa hey what was that you know and it was it was just fun because you know i knew what to expect and i can tell you when we got there i ran the entire family because we had fast passes 60 days out we got our fast passes um, for flight of passage, but it's a tiered system now at Animal Kingdom. So you can't fast pass both of the Avatar rides. Uh. And I had done my research um, and I knew that flight of passage was going to be the one. And I, you know, I start checking wait times pretty much Okay, as soon as I start planning a trip, I'm on all the apps. I'm looking at, you know, crowds, wait times, everything, <laughs> just because I'm a geek. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, or if I have friends that are there, I'll even just vicariously live through them, I guess. But I knew that Flight of Passage was the one that we had to fast pass. Oh, yeah. I mean, its waits were up sometimes over 200 minutes. And the. Naivi River ride, it wasn't as long of a wait. And I was like, well, which one is more important to me? And it was Flight of Passage. We run over there and the park had not been open very long at all. And the wait for 
Divey River was a hundred minutes. Wow. And I talked, well, they didn't really have, I didn't really talk them into it. I said, we are going to wait for this. <laughs> and so, yeah. So for a hundred minutes, we waited. My son who does, who's 13 and does not like to wait, waited. <laughs> and that ride, um, the general consensus was it wasn't really worth a hundred minute wait. Yeah, that's what I've been hearing. Yeah, I, I think it appeals because some of one of my girlfriends that was there at the same time, she told me that it was a breathtakingly beautiful ride. I think it appeals more to females than it does men because of that. My husband said that he was more blown away by the outside of Pandora than he was the ride. So, I mean, and it was, I mean, it was beautiful and everything, but the most, I mean, the audio animatronic shaman at the end, everything else was kind of like bright light or the black lights and they used projections of the creatures along the side and stuff. I mean, it was beautiful. I wouldn't wait in line for it for a hundred minutes again. <laughs> now, Flight of Passage, we fast passed. And it was the absolute best ride I have ever ridden in my life. Wow. My husband, who does not like crowds, like I said, he works at Southwest Airlines. He's used to crowds. Yeah. He said he would wait in line for a hundred minutes to ride it. Wow. Which I was just like, oh my goodness. I mean, it... I rode soaring a couple days later and soaring. I love soaring, but I'm telling you that it felt like it was missing something <laughs> after riding flight of passage. Yeah. Just, you had feet in your face and you don't get to straddle the thing to feel it. Apparently you can feel it breathe. You when can you're feel the banshee. it breathe. Wow. I mean, it's like the most immersive ride and like all that, you know, it has all the senses like soaring has only I mean, you, you are on a banshee <laughs> and it is so awesome. Yeah. And we're not talking the banshees you'd see, uh, and, oh no, I can think of that, the movie. It's a Disney movie, Irish movie. Um, yeah, that, uh, the that, little that, people, the, you know, Darby, Darby, Darby and Gil little people. Yes. It's not that no. kind of banshee that comes and scares you. <laughs> That's right. Now I am one of the few people that probably, I had not seen Avatar. And just because I didn't think that it would appeal to me. So about three weeks before we left, I watched it. And I would say that um, you could totally enjoy that. I mean, it's Disney-fied. You, um, seeing the movie kind of helped. You know, I understood more like the characters and everything. But you do not even I wouldn't say need to be a fan of the movie because just walking you are in another world and it really is I mean the floating mountains and everything are just beautiful and seeing it at night my daughter and I it was raining so hard and we were walking around sopping wet in our ponchos <laughs> she had her waterproof camera out we are taking pictures of everything in Pandora because it is just that beautiful 
Oh, hello, doggy. Yeah, that's, that's my dog. <laughs> so when you uh, fast pass your way into the, uh, the the flight, do you still get to do some of the things where? Because uh, I've seen where you stand in the thing and it's supposed to be scanning you and yes. creating your avatar. Do you still get to do that? You still get to do that. Um, that is done actually after they line you up. It like you're. Like how you line up for soaring and you have your spot to sit, stand on, it scans the entire room. Oh. And so at that point is when they do all that. And just the entire thing, because I mean, you're moving, they'll tell you to move around and you can see, you know, your form up there moving around. It just, it's, it's a whole new level of Disney magic that I had never even really dreamt possible. So it makes you really wonder when when Star Wars Galaxy's Edge opens up. <laughs> and that's going to be yeah. totally immersive. I know. Wow. That's, I'm really excited for the Star Wars now because it's like, wow. Yeah, for what they've done with Pandora, it's something that, you know, you, you've got like a 50-50 of a fan base there. Now you get Star Wars, which there's very few people who don't like Star Wars. Yes. <laughs> You're going to have an entire world to walk into. Oh my goodness. I can't even I know. imagine. I'm so excited for it. I'm just like, just like, like you said, I mean, you know, and Star Wars appeals to entire families. Yeah. I mean, it's not just like Pandora came out and it was a great movie. And if you happen to see it, you know, when it came out, then Star Wars, it doesn't matter. There are kids that have seen every single episode that are you know, seven years old now. <laughs> yeah. Because their dads and moms and grandma and grandpa love it. Yep. I'll bet even a Trekkie could walk into there and have a good time. <laughs> That's exactly right. Because <laughs> most of us Star Wars geeks are Trekkies too. So, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I was going to say, everybody I know likes one. You might like one a little bit more than the other, but. You're going to love both. Like yeah. Yes. And you, even for the, just the love of sci-fi, you'll probably go to Pandora and be able to imagine you're on a completely different world and still have a good time, even if you're like, oh, this movie was so good and stuff. You're still gonna, you're on a whole different planet, if you, as it, long it, as you're willing to take it in your imagination with you. Exactly. And that is my advice to anybody. You need to just let it, just enjoy and just be when you're in Disney. And, you know, Pandora is, I mean, you walked in there, I walked in there, and it, the mountains just take your breath away. I mean, everything about it, they had done, they have done such a good job that, I mean, I was expecting I was going to be impressed, and I would say that they really upped my, upped what I thought Disney could do. So like you said, I'm really, really looking forward to Star Wars. <laughs> oh, yes. All right. Well, thanks for coming along and sharing us a little bit of your experience. And if you ever want to share some more experience of some other things, fun things or whatever, you come right ahead. You just let me know. Okay. Well, thanks for having me. I'll talk Disney all day long, anytime. <laughs> or Star Wars. Or awesome. Star Trek. There you go. There you go. To Disney and beyond. Greg Reisman wrote that uh, he started at Walt Disney Television Animation in July of 1989 as a staff assistant. 
It continues that four days after he walked in through the front door, his boss had departed for a two-week trip to Europe that lasted for six months as he was putting together animation studios for them in England and in France. In the meantime, he had been thrown into the proverbial deep end of the division's current programming and development departments. He goes on to say, a number of people helped to acclimate me to my new surroundings. But it was Tad Stones who took me under his wing to teach me about how an animated television series was developed. And the laboratory he taught me was in the creation of Darkwing Duck, or as we called it then, Double O Duck. Yes, the series went through multiple iterations as it morphed from being a James Bondian spy show to something more along the lines of the shadow. I like to think my background in writing and editing comic book superheroes and their shenanigans was of some use. But mostly, I sat back and watched Tad and his team work their Morgana-worthy magic. The show sold, and Tad went on to produce it. I gave a few suggestions every so often and helped Tad find and hire his amazing writing staff. But mostly, I was off developing other things, <coughs> gargoyles, <laughs> and what that meant was that when the show hit the air, I got to sit back and enjoy it like any other fan. And so, Leverlanders, please welcome the great Tad Stones. Woohoo! Applause, applause. I'll have to add a well, applause. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You know, I'm retired now, so, <laughs> you know, I've got ideas for stories, but I'm not putting them in animation yet. So it's kind of cool seeing a new storytelling sensibility being applied to some of our old shows. Because, um, as I mentioned before, when the DuckTales guys, you know, were put into production, they here's the thing it's 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 a new show mm-hmm. as i say to people it's a show for this century not right. the last um if you're going to do another sherlock holmes show you don't go to the last one you go to the source material and then you say okay but in my show he's going to be in space he's going to be in another planet but it'll be all the sherlock holmes tropes uh or he's going to be in present day or he's going to be a caveman or, you know whatever your idea is you go back to the source and then you give it your twist and your spin. Well, they went back to the source of DuckTales, which is not DuckTales. It's Carl it Barks. <laughs> not Carl Barks alone. They're talking about the entire history. Ooh. So it's Carl Barks, it's Donald Duck comic strips, Scrooge comic strips, Donald Duck short subjects. Um, it is uh, Don Rosa. Every writer had to read The Life and Times of Scrooge McDuck, which is, you know, a brilliant work by Don Rosa, um, and DuckTales, and the entire Disney Afternoon. Wow. All of that is source material. And when I say that Disney Afternoon is in it, it's not like gummy bears have a tree on Scrooge's mansion grounds, but... Scrooge goes all around the world searching for strange artifacts and things like that, or treasures or whatever. And I'm, I believe one specifically involves gummy berry juice. Oh, that would be awesome. Or you can like look at castle ruins. There might be in the background cave or you know bear statues that are covered in ivy and stuff like that. Oh. So it's that kind of, you know, I got a lot of flack when I said. Uh, DuckTales and Darkwing were in different universes as far as I was concerned and people's argument was but they were they had crossover I said yeah my version of Gizmoduck came uh, over and had adventures with Darkwing 
just like our version of Launchpad was way stupider than <laughs> yeah. DuckTales' version of Launchpad. Uh, and we played with it that way. But yeah. they're, you know, the sensibilities of two shows are drastically different. Yeah. Uh, so people who have a problem with it basically don't understand science fiction alternate universe things. Yeah, there you go. Where there is a, <laughs> just like when the original Star Trek went to the evil universe, there was an evil version of every character. Yes, the mirror. It was like, yeah, exactly. So it wasn't like, oh, it's a, they're in the same universe. No, it's specifically a different universe. It's the evil one. However, this one coming up is a new universe, literally, mm-hmm. in that the nephews start out not knowing that Scrooge is their uncle. Um, Webby's older. Uh, when they took these characters, they didn't just bring them back. They said, okay, how do we bring them back? What's the spin on this? And the central thing in the show is building this family. Yeah. Uh, and that's going to be the, you know, the heart that goes through this thing. But in general, I always said that, yeah, if I did more Darkwing, what I want to do is um, make the adventure more adventurous and the comedy funnier. And I think that's, in everything I've seen so far, that's exactly what they've done, you know, with DuckTales. Yeah, and I've had high hopes when I heard they were going to remake DuckTales because I used to watch uh, Warner Brothers sort of doing uh, the Looney Tunes show where they actually created a, a whole setup where you had all the Looney Tunes characters living in suburbs together. And I mm-hmm. thought, you know, what a perfect setup if you had Duckburg. And even, you know, I thought even before they started talking about DuckTales, what if you had a series called Duckburg? And let's say that all those Disney afternoon characters all lived in the same place with Mickey and Minnie and Daisy and Pluto and all those, you know, animated Schwartz characters. If they could all exist in the same world, how fun that would be. Because you could have all kinds of different adventures and comedy that you could throw in. And if they pull off some stuff like that and Mickey Mouse comes walking into an episode of this new DuckTales, I'm going to flip and go crazy. I'll love it. I don't think they will do anything that ordinary in that that's just saying, oh, yeah, it's town. Everybody's living there. It's like, no, every time you see one of these characters, they go in and they don't bring them in lightly. They go in and say, what if this character ends up getting his own show? You know, what what's the setup here? Um So it's like Gizmo Duck has got a whole different relationship, you know, and you know, he. I think he's. Well, I don't. I. I know he's in one episode of the new season. Here's the the problem with everybody wants everybody, you know, from other shows being a guest star. But the studio was very firm about every episode of the first season being about the family. You know, different. It's a big cast. You yeah, know. it is. Uh, just by having the four kids and Scrooge and Launchpad, boom, you know, and then you throw in Beakley, that's a lot of characters, and you know, who maybe not every episode includes them all. Uh, or, or maybe they're all there, but some get more emphasis in certain episodes than others. Um, well, you know, so, at some point, so Gizmo Duck does show up in, in an episode, and you get to see his origin. And, uh, you know, at least last time I checked, that was the story. Um, but it is it was a big fight just to get that kind of one-off that was more of a launch pad episode than anybody else's. Yeah, and it would be fun just for even one-shot things to even, you know, say Scrooge does some sort of world travel, lands somewhere, and runs into, say, I don't know, Mega Duck? or something or even Mega Volt would be great you know it would be fun just to have some of those characters have little pop-ups every once in a while 
Just, okay, just I, will for say, I will say this. That would be too ordinary. The guys working on this show have... I've said this online that it amuses me and delights me that the imaginations of the guys who are actually doing the show are way bigger than people concocting theories about how people will show up. It's like, oh no. <laughs> you know, not only that, this this character will be introduced this way. And you will think at that point, you know the character story. Oh no, wait till this episode. <laughs> and now it's like, oh, what about season two? Oh, that's when you find out this character is da-da-da, you know? So, you know, I'm braced for various things popping up where people are going to say, oh, they just did that with the character. <laughs> no, they didn't. <laughs> you think they did. <laughs> Wait till the next time you see that character. So these guys are brilliant. I mean, the the uh, DuckTales, and for, for that matter, the Disney Afternoon couldn't be in better hands than uh, Frank and Gonis, Matt Youngsberg, Youngberg, and um, Susanna Olsen, who is the actual producer, the line producer who makes sure everything actually gets done. Uh, all of Frank and Matt's crazy ideas. Uh, but every every time they say, oh, here's our spin on X, it's like, oh, that is cool. That, you know, again, my feeling is these characters that we worked on back then are not sacrosanct to me. I mean, it is more for the kids who actually watch them every day. But when you think of it in those Sherlock Holmes or even James Bond terms where the character is going to change and the situation is going to change. Um, it's like, I'm, I just want to make sure you've got a, uh, uh, you know, a really good story and everything they pitched me. Well, in our universe, this happens. It's like, Oh, that's brilliant. You know, it's not like, Oh, I never, you know, what a twist on the, you know, Flint heart gongle story. It's like, no, no, no. It's, it's, not just oh that's a that's a cute episode it's no here's why the concept is different you know and i can you instantly see how that will spin off into many more stories uh so i can't wait for the show to begin oh yeah i'm really excited and one thing i've tried to keep in mind and i I know some people about my age have been like oh but i really would just i'd even just love the old show to come back i'm i'm keeping an open mind like this is a whole new take on these characters so we get we get the characters we love but we get them in a different way and i'm even liking the fact that i'm seeing a lot more of donald duck involved so i'm hoping he's going to be throughout the series as a regular because i love donald yeah the i mean generally yeah the and you've heard this before it's, it's just like Sean Connery is always going to be his version of James Bond, you know. But, you know, so is Piers Brod- Brosland and, and uh, you know, Daniel Craig. Uh, they're just different variations, you know. Yeah. How many, again, I keep going back to Sherlock Holmes. How many yeah. Sherlock Holmes have you seen that have been brilliant, you know? And all 13 doctors. <laughs> exactly. So everyone has a different spin. Every, you know, uh, the, uh, I just, and as far as some people have, you know, say, oh, the characters look so different. It's like, you know what? Three episodes in, you'll totally forget that. I'm already at the point where when you say DuckTales to me, the image of my brain is the new show, not the old show. I'll probably get to that point because I've only gotten to see those little bits. But what I've seen so far on YouTube, I've loved it. I'm very excited. I have to say, the, the sequence that I really loved was just seeing... Um, it was the one I think that was 
first debuted at Comic Con, uh, but where Beakley comes in as Scrooge gets up in the morning, looks at his money bin, and then Beakley interrupts him. She's covered in darts. Yes. I, I just love the interaction between Beakley <laughs> and Scrooge. And you realize, oh, she is not the old Mrs. Beakley. She's a friend, you know, in addition to a housekeeper and bodyguard. Um, but there's real interaction. They had, uh, or maybe, well, that there was that clip. There was the other clip was the one in the submarine where the boys are talking about Scrooge. And he was says, <laughs> I don't think he knows our names. It's like, what? Says, I think he called me Herbert once. You know, it was just yeah. like, that's real comedy. And yeah. it's relationship comedy that you couldn't get if the boys already know Uncle Scrooge and they all have the same personality. Right. I just think way more into it. And I think there's a lot of Goslin Mallard in um, uh, the new Webby. I mean, she's just... Yeah fantastic you know and the you watch the old webby and it is embarrassing in modern terms as is mrs beakley really so it was a fantastic show and a super popular show you know at the time i think you and you can watch those old episodes and kids still enjoy it when i went to denver comic-con it delighted me that there were whole families coming up and they had you know, the kids had been watching along on their parents' DVDs and VHSs. Um, and then I'd say, well, you know, the new show's coming out, and they were way ahead of me. The whole family gets excited, and that happens several times. So um, it certainly doesn't bother them that it'll be a different... Yeah. It's it, Again, it's graphically so different that I think after very quick... it it's feasible it's not going to be your taste you know but it just taken on its own it creates this unique world it's super life you know some great animation um i just think you know it's it's got a long life ahead of it and the guys are certainly thinking way down the line oh yeah and i'm i'm already happy that they actually decided that i think they did they go for season two and a season three they went ahead and said they're going for it they're, they've got officially been okay for a season two, but just as I said, they don't introduce a character without thinking of, well, how would we bring him back, and you know, what if he gets his own show, kind of thing. They've got plans for in the roughest, roughest kind of general arc way for I think up to like five seasons. Not to say there couldn't be more. I'm just saying that's. The guys have talked to me about, oh, well, this in season four, this would happen, and in this season five. Um, so, I mean, the, you know, San Diego Comic Con was, was absolutely fantastic to be behind the curtain watching the cast uh, dance to the new DuckTales theme. <laughs> yeah, to see, you know, David Tennant and Tokes and, and the Saturday Night Live guys and, and all of them just, you know, dancing and, and totally into the song. They're really enjoying working on the show and everybody on the show is, is is a huge fan. And that is the thing when people, you get that fan attitude sometimes of, well, Disney's doing this. It's like, no, Disney is not. Disney fans, just like you, are getting to do a show. Yep. You know, and it is, and I've told them all, um, I said, enjoy this, really enjoy it, because we didn't get it. We were just trying to get the scripts to come out on time, <laughs> you know, and, and do these shows where 
they're walking on the stage of a room full of 600 people or so, you know, and they are shouting with joy and going nuts and, you know, they're seeing clips and model sheets and stuff like that. And they're just, you know, roaring. Um, I said, just really soak it up and enjoy it. And, you know, they feel a huge amount of responsibility. They feel like, you know, every person working on the show wakes up in a 50-50 kind of mentality and 50% is, oh boy, I'm getting to work on DuckTales, it's fantastic. And the other 50% is, oh my God, I'm working on DuckTales, <laughs> what if I screw it up? Yep. Um, so, I mean, it's just, you know, it's the closest to a fan-produced film you're yeah. going to see out of Disney. So, um, I just, I just, you know, I can't be more excited. If someone tried to do it and stayed closer to the original, I'd go, I wouldn't be excited at all. would be like, oh, nice, you cleaned up animation, and really, everybody's got the same voice, and oh, same personality. It was like... Who cares, you know? And it's like that's not the, that's not for this century. It's just like the old one. This has got a, like I say, this has got a modern sensibility to it, uh, more continuity, you know, as far as an arc that you revisit that'll go through the seasons, you know. In addition to all these the standalone fun stuff, um, and the more the duck fan you are, I think the more you'll find in it. You know, I think people have already dissected every frame uh, that they've put out there and see how many Carl Barks covers there mm-hmm. are. In fact, I think people are saying, oh, they even gave a nod to the DuckTales movie because of their sitting in the treasure and there's, you know, an Arabian thing. It's like, no, that's literally a Carl Barks painting that they put in there of, you know, the family in the treasure and Scrooge with it you know, a crown on his head. Um, So it's just chock full of stuff, you know. I mean, there's a character who I think was only mentioned in a Donald Duck short and was in one episode, one issue of a comic that they found and they said, oh, the concept of this character is so good, we can really do something with it. Uh, That's fantastic, you know, and that shows how deep their duck knowledge is, you know. Um, And they've done real smart things where they have created new characters, too. Like, uh, I want to say his name is Mark Beeks, but he's basically like, you know, a a tech billionaire. So he's the one guy that Scrooge and Glomgold can agree to hate. (laughs) <laughs> because he doesn't care about money he just cares about buzz and you know hits and likes online <laughs> uh, that'd be the guy you know, that they'd be like he didn't make money the old fashioned way like we did and go and find the treasures and stuff I could see that being a lot of fun especially yeah. I could see even the, the boys maybe idolizing the guy <laughs> or something because they might be more into technology being younger and there is there is a yeah, and there is a mystery about Scrooge that people haven't even thought about that you know they're going to address and and this I just got layers and layers to it you know. Oh, yeah, uh, I'm and it was so fun. I mean, again, Saturday or uh, San Diego Comic Con was just so amazing to hear the crowd reaction. You know, um, especially when they showed some of the potential guest stars at the end. Uh, which I I didn't watch the panel because I wanted to be surprised. I was waiting. <laughs> well, actually, I'm 
I don't know that there's <laughs> any uh, panels or any things that I've seen that actually show the screen of things that they showed. You know, in fact, they wanted some reactions to kind of show the executives how big the reactions were at Comic Con. <laughs> They're very frustrated. They said, for once, everybody behaved themselves. People didn't take bootleg video. There's <laughs> two out there and the whole thing. And it's like, ah. Uh, all I know is it's good stuff. <laughs> I don't know what all it was, but it's good stuff. Well, we've I'm, only got, waiting. what, we got like four days and then uh, we mm-hmm. get our first look. Yep, 24 hours. I may have to watch it a couple of times. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on to the Neverland Podcast. It was awesome. And if you have any big You're projects welcome. coming up, you decide like any of these store ideas, you want to write a book or something, you let us know. You can come back and tell us all about it. All right, will do. Supervise your children. And for the safety of our cast, we ask that you please refrain from the use of flash photography and external video lighting. And now that we've taken care of business, let's talk about me. My name is Shannon, and I'll be your guide on this magical journey into the movies. The perfect job for me because I love movies. Is everybody ready? Great, because the cameras are ready to roll. Ready when you are, CB. Rolling. Significant contributions to the world of film were great musicals. 
This scene is from one of my favorites, the 1933 Busby Berkeley Spectacular Footlight Parade. famous of all dance sequences it's from the 1952 musical classic singing in the rain Quintessential Disney musicals, Mary Poppins, starring Julie Andrews and Dick Van Dyke. This classic earned 13 Academy Award nominations.
was partial to trouble or fixing to get myself shot, I'd hightail it out of here. Go right ahead if that's what you're a mind to do. Long time ago, I made me a rule. Let people do what they want. Sleepy little bird, isn't it? That's a mighty tough territory you're heading into, Pilgrim. I'd think about turning back if I was you. That is, if you want my opinion. But I reckon you ought to do what you think is best. clear this is the perfect time for me to collect up your valuables we'll start with the jewelry then move on to the I don't even watch this neighborhood Fiction has been a staple of classic movies, from George Melies' A Trip to the Moon to George Lucas's Star Wars. In 1979, director Ridley Scott and Sigourney Weaver made audiences believe that in space, no one can hear you scream. This is Alien.
pancakes. How do we get out of here? Warning, remain in your vehicle. The area you are entering is extremely dangerous. Proceed with caution. Emergency destruct system is now activated. Ship will detonate in T minus 10 minutes. The option to override automatic detonation expires in T minus 5 minutes. Look out! What is that thing? And there it is again! Okay, that's enough creepy crawly things for one day, right? Wrong. Steven Spielberg and George Lucas cemented their status as the Blockbuster Boys with their first partnership. Here from that legendary collaboration is Harrison Ford as archaeologist Indiana Jones in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Some of the biggest horror stars of Hollywood have appeared in the ancient story of a cursed Egyptian temple. A priceless jewel that beckons to all, but be warned, the temptation always leads to destruction. Wow, get a load of that chunk of ice. Time for me to get back to Wyke. Good thing I don't believe in ghost stories. Don't nobody move, Wiggle get the goods. I don't think they notice a few extra bodies around here, if you know what I mean. I've seen enough movies to know that you really shouldn't even think about trying to steal that jewel. Alt unbeliever. Disturb the truth. 
treasure of the gods and you shall all pay with your lives. Anything can happen in the movies. Now, let's get on with the show. Ooh, I see dead people. Things that go bump in the night have always been a staple of movies. One of the first horror films is a silent short featuring a dancing skeleton created by the Lumiere brothers in 1897. jungle home of one of the most famous movie characters of them all, Tarzan. The movie's most popular Tarzan is undoubtedly Johnny Weissmuller, who swung through 12 films as the king of the jungle. Over there we have Marino Sullivan as Jane and Tarzan sidekick Cheetah, who was portrayed by over a dozen chimpanzee actors over the years. Here's Humphrey Bogart in his most famous film role. In 1942, Bogey finally got to spread his wings and romance the beautiful Ingrid Bergman in Casablanca. Inside of us, we both know you belong with Victor. You're part of his work, the thing that keeps him going. If that plane leaves the ground and you're not with him, you'll regret it. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but soon and for the rest of your life. You'll always have Paris. We didn't have, we, we lost it until you came to Casablanca. We got it back last night. I've got a job to do, too. Where I'm going, you can't follow. What I've got to do, you can't be any part of. Those I'm no good at being noble, but it doesn't take much to see that the problems of three little people don't amount to a hill of beans in this crazy world. Someday you'll understand that. Now, now. He's looking at you, kid. And now, one of the most famous movie stars in one of his greatest roles, Mickey Mouse, as the Sorcerer's Apprentice in Fantasia. When the film came out in 1940, Walt Disney promised that new musical sequences in the future 
His nephew Roy kept that promise 60 years later with the release of Fantasia 2000. Come over the rainbow and into one of the most beloved and most watched films in movie history, The Wizard of Oz. Toto, I have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. Thank you. 
Oh, and one more thing. When I last you don't get the thunderous applause for yours truly. Okay, places everybody. And action! Thank you, and have a wonderful day here at Disney's Hollywood Studios. On behalf of all of us, we'll see you at the movies. Thank you for listening to the Neverland Podcast. We invite you back next week for more fun and adventure. Until then, remember to keep a pixie in your pocket. It's that young at heart, positive attitude that you can share with others. And remember to visit our website at NeverlandPodcast.com. There you can find links to our news page, our shop, our contact page, where you can easily send an email to podcast at NeverlandPodcast.com. You can also find our Neverlanders page, where you can find out how to become an official Lost Boy or Pixie, because girls are too clever to get lost. Become a real Neverlander! Please feel free to leave us a voicemail at 816-226-6492. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at NeverlandPCast. And like our Neverland Podcast fan page on Facebook. We also have a group on Facebook for you to join. We also appreciate your support to keep the Neverland Podcast up and running. Visit Patreon.com slash Neverland Podcast to donate to Keeping the Pixie Dust Alive. Copyright content featured on the Neverland Podcast is copyright of their respective creators and used under fair use license. All original content is copyright of Blue Band Productions and a very special thanks to Yeehaw Bob Jackson at yeehawbob.com for our new ending music. God bless! Yeah! Hello everybody, this is Yeehaw Bob Jackson. Neverland Podcast, we love you. Neverland Podcast, we love you. Neverland Podcast, it's true. Neverland Podcast, we 